Thank you, Shelby. What a great job with that bucket load of announcements. <laughs> if you don't know me, I'm Renee Boucher. I uh, do a lot of work with Scotty in the city. I serve on the national um, leadership team of an organization called 24-7 Prayer, and I oversee the Western States region. So I'm here frequently um, whenever I'm in town or not at another church. Um, this is the place that I want to be with you guys. So thank you for having me here this morning. Um, I'm going to have you guys stand up in just a second because, well, if you're one who pays attention to the news and, you know, um, we were just talking before the service started, right, just how how challenging the news has been lately and especially this week. And it's been uh, particularly hard, I think, uh, for us to process. And so I think we've all held our loved ones a little closer. We've said a few more prayers than normal, and we've wondered at what can be done to make the world a safer place around us. And so I think it would be appropriate just to take a minute and remember um, the, the victims of the recent shootings in Uvalde, in Buffalo, in Laguna Hills. And if you don't mind, um, you know, maybe standing up so that we can engage our spirits when we move our bodies. It, it helps us to engage our heart and our spirits and, and our minds in this place of prayer. And, and I would like to just um, pray for... Um, yeah, for these situations, but also for us. So, so could you stand up? And if there's, um, if, if there's a mother or a father um, nearby you or a teacher that you know of um, or someone else that maybe has been particularly impacted um, by these recent events, would you just, if you're comfortable, lay your hands on them as we pray? Father, this, this morning our hearts are broken as we remember the children in Uvalde, as we remember grandparents and aunts and uncles and mothers, fathers and caretakers in Buffalo, as we remember worshipers in Laguna Hills. Lord, we pray for those who've been left behind, that you would come as the Prince of Peace to families and friends, to community members, to students and teachers across the country, that you would come to those who were in the school or the grocery store or the chapel who survived, that you would come to the officers in each place who now carry the weight of not being able to have saved these lives. God, we acknowledge that we cannot make sense of the innocent ones being taken, and, and if we're honest, we might even wonder where you are in these moments. We lament, we grieve, we question. We feel the pain and the brokenness and the darkness of this world, but Lord, we ask that you would not allow our hearts to be hardened, that you would help us not to turn our eyes away, that we would instead run into the dark places because we know that we carry your light, 
that we would run into the broken spaces because we know that we carry your spirit who is a comforter, a counselor, a healer. That we would embrace the pain, the grief, the lament because we know that only by walking through it can we find wholeness and restoration and hope. We pray that you would help us to become change makers, to fight for solutions, to listen to those in need, to be a friend and a good neighbor. We pray that you would help us to display your goodness even in, especially in, the darkest hours and the times of greatest despair. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. I'm going to start with a story about a young man named Micah. Um, He was a young adult in and out of prison and on and off of the streets for many years. I first met him at a drop-in center um, the last time, if you were here, when I spoke. I, I talked about a ministry that I did with with street kids when I was 22 years old and first moved to Oregon. And we had a drop-in center in the basement of First Baptist Church downtown uh, for the kids. And every year we would we would throw a big um, Thanksgiving dinner and a huge Christmas party. And the, those two dates were some of the highlights of our time because we had become like family among these kids. And it was a time to celebrate the holidays and in a way that many of them had never been able to experience before. And so Micah came into our drop-in center during a Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, he I had never met him before. He stormed down the stairs, and we had big round tables, bigger than, than the ones that we have here. You could fit eight people around them. He stormed down the stairs and uh, shouted out some choice words and <laughs> picked up one of those big round tables and threw it across the room. He was a strong guy. Um, the drugs made him stronger. And um, that was my first interaction with uh, Asian Mike, is what they called him on the streets. He was from, um, well, he was one of the most violent kids that I had ever met. And his reputation on the streets matched that. And everyone, even the toughest of the street kids, were afraid uh, of Micah. But Micah was born in Cambodia during the war, and uh, his entire village, when he was about two years old, was completely destroyed, and everyone, including his family, was killed except for him. He was the only survivor. His parents had put him in a garbage dump when they knew the troops were coming in hopes that he would be saved. And a soldier, American soldier, found him, um, brought him to the USA. And at the age of two or three, Micah began battling with severe PTSD and mental illness. Um, his story is a long one. There were lots of other things that began to add to that. Uh, but eventually he became homeless and made his way to Portland. Micah quickly became our unofficially adopted son and a member of our family. He continued to battle mental health issues until the day that he died in 2018, but he became 
one of the most gentle and kind persons I know. It was probably the biggest transformation of character that I have ever seen. Um, But I saw a hint of it even that day when he threw the table across the room. You know, this was not a shock to me because this was the ministry that I did. So I just came alongside of him and I said, hey, buddy, why don't we have a seat over here? And I guided him to the piano bench away from everyone else. And he turned and he faced that piano and he started playing the most beautiful song that I had ever heard. He had never had any lessons. It wasn't a song that he was repeating that he had heard somewhere. It was coming out from inside of him. It was his own creation. And I could see the beauty at that moment that was inside of him, despite his outwardly actions, right? So um, at his funeral, he, he died in 2018 by natural causes. He was 41 years old. We spent 30 years with this man in and out of our lives. Um, but at the funeral, there was story after story that was written on cards about the goodness that Micah displayed. And while the narrative of his transformation is a long one, I want to just share his moment of salvation with you today. So Micah was in a prison cell. He was taking the rap uh, for something that he did not do. There were plenty of times that he was in jail for things that he did do. But this particular moment, he was actually taking the rap for someone else because he knew that prison would be more dangerous for them than it would be for him. So he pleaded guilty and was sitting in jail. And uh, as would usually happen with Micah, he ended up in isolation. And he was screaming one night at the top of his lungs, angry at God. He was saying, where were you? Where have you been? Where are you, God? Where were you when my parents were killed? Where were you when my village was destroyed? Where were you when I was bullied in school? Where were you when I was abused? Where were you when I had no food to eat and no place to sleep? Where were you? And it went on and on and on until exhausted, he collapsed onto the floor of the prison cell. And he said in that moment, he looked down, he could feel something warm come over him like on a cold night and you wrap a blanket around you or you sit by the fire and you begin to feel that warmth that almost comes from inside out, right? He could feel this warmth and there was a presence in his cell that he could not identify. And he said he looked down at his hands and his brown skin on his hands had turned pure white. And he actually felt like he was hearing the Lord say to him, I was right there with you in every place, in every moment, in every situation. And in an instant, Micah gave his life to Jesus. He called me when he got out of isolation and he told me what had happened and he said, 
In that moment, Renee, I realized that I had been wondering where God was. I had been so angry thinking that he was not with me, but I didn't realize that I had never turned around to face him, so I just couldn't see that he was there. He's always been there for me, and now I just want to be there for him. It's a beautiful testimony. Um, He continued to struggle, but there was a change in his countenance that, that began to happen. We'll come back. We'll come back to Micah. The last few years um, have been filled with moments that none of us would have expected in our lifetime. You know, it would be nice just to pretend the last two years didn't exist. (laughs) My daughter, who turned 30 last year, said, Mom, I really think I'm turning 28 because I lost two years, right? (laughs) I shouldn't have to be 30 quite yet. Um, But we've grieved We've lamented, we've argued, we've listened, we've learned. And things in each of our lives have been stripped away and systems have been ripped apart, revealing the ugly truth at times of what actually lies beneath. It's been hard to navigate. It's been hard to know what to say, what not to say, who to trust, who not to trust, what to, how to act, how not to act, even how to pray. And throughout this time, there's been one scripture that has stuck out to me over and over and over again that I just keep coming back to. And so it's this one scripture uh, that I want to explore with you today. And I'm sorry, I'm not like Scotty. I don't have great slides for you. So bear with me. You might actually have to look in your Bible. Uh, So (laughs) this scripture comes at the end of Psalm 27. So if you want to turn in your Bible or pull it up on your phone, um, let's read Psalm 27 in its entirety for context, and then we'll we'll go from there. So I read out of the New James Version. might be a little different from yours. It says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. 
When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. And then he says this. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Most theologians agree this psalm was written by David when he was on the run from Saul. Having waited nearly 15 years from the time that he was anointed to be king as that shepherd boy in the field to the time that he was now to take the throne, David had barely escaped and was on the run. His life was in real danger. But his focus, he determined, was to stay continually on the presence, the beauty, and the goodness of God. He had real questions, he had real fears, he had real concerns, but he chose where he was going to set his gaze in the hardest of times. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the good in the land of the living. How many of us have lost heart in these last two years? How many of us have lost heart in these last two weeks? Yeah. David was losing heart, but he refocused himself and set his gaze on the beauty of the Lord. He said, in this, I will be confident. I may not know a lot of other things, but this one thing I do. I may not have all of the solutions. I may not understand the reasons these things are happening, But this one thing I can put my trust in, I can put my hope in, and I can found my life upon. This one thing that I've desired of the Lord, that I will seek and dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I just want to be in your presence, God. I don't care if I'm on the run. I don't care if I'm sleeping in a cave as long as you are with me. To behold the beauty of the Lord, I just want to see you as you really are. I want to know every facet of you. I cannot take my gaze away from you because I am in awe of the goodness and the glory that is displayed in you. And to inquire in his temple. But I'm going to come honestly. I've got some questions. 
I've got some concerns. I have some anxieties. I'm worried about some things. I don't know what to do. I need to inquire of you. In this place, David's heart was renewed by the knowledge and hope of God's goodness. This was the stabilizing factor for him that allowed him to continue to move forward, to not shut down, to not give up, to continue to believe. He gazed on the beauty. He found the place of the presence, and he laid it all out before the Lord. And in return, God revealed his goodness. I would have lost heart unless I believed If David's solution to not losing heart is the goodness of God, then I want to know this goodness. I want to know how to find this goodness. I want to see what it will produce in me. So goodness is an interesting word, right? We often think of goodness as an action or something that we do that makes us good. When we connect goodness to God, it's easy to just think of the things that he does for us or sometimes to question his goodness when bad things happen or things don't turn out the way that we expect. We think that we have to be good sometimes for God to love us or for him to be pleased with us or even that we earn our salvation by our own goodness. But the word good is used in other ways. And so I just want to take a minute and think about our five senses and how we describe goodness related to our five senses and what it produces in us. So we think about smell. Flowers and perfume, we say, smell good. And they fill the air with a scent of beauty. Just think about how you feel when you smell the beautiful flowers or a fragrance that you like. A warm fire in winter feels good as it warms our body. Or we want to, I have a blanket at home that I'm always doing this. You know, I just want to touch it because it makes me happy. (laughs) Good music enhance atmosphere around us as we listen or hear. A good meal that is tasted, you know, our sense of taste, it satisfies us deep within. And looking at beautiful uh, works of art or the intricacies of nature can leave us in awe. These are all examples of Good or goodness as a trait or an attribute that produces something in us that sometimes is a little bit inexplainable. It elicits emotion in us. It stirs up memories. It inspires us or enlivens us. It gives us courage and strength and desire for more of that attribute that we're calling good. When David made a choice to dwell in the presence of the Lord and to gaze on his beauty, again, the the result was that his heart was renewed with faith in the goodness of the Lord. In that place of his presence, all of his senses were taking in the character and the nature of God. 
When he was unsure of where to go and afraid for his own life, the goodness of God is what stabilized him and sustained him. He set his hope on this, that God's character and nature would be revealed even if he wasn't seeing it in that very moment. You may remember another story, um, that of Moses, and he also desired to see God. He was determined that God's presence would be with him, and so he asked, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord responded to him and basically said, you know, if you see my face, dude, you are not going to live. So I'll tell you what, I'll put you in this rock and I'll pass by you, but I'm going to cover your face when I do it. And then you can just see what comes behind. You can look at my back. That should be good enough, right? But he said, when I pass by you, I'm going to proclaim to you who I am and I will show you my goodness. So Moses did what the Lord asked. He went to the place in the cleft of the rock. The Lord passed by, and while he's doing so, he declared to Moses who he was. Merciful, kind, gracious, long-suffering, forgiving, abounding in goodness and truth, God was declaring to Moses who God is. This, he told him, I'm going to show you my goodness. And what he showed him was who he is. His character, his nature, his attributes, his being. It's not the goodness, the nature of God is not always tethered to an action or a blessing. It's just always there, always present, always available. I think the attribute that comes most often in the form of his presence and describes his glory is good. There's over 800 um, uses of the word good or goodness in scripture. We hear it over and over again. But most often when we read it, if you look at it in scripture, it's defining who he is more than what he does. The Bible tells us that all good things come from God because God gives out of the nature of who he is. It tells us that we live and move and have our being in him because we're made and that we're made in his likeness. So there is goodness in us and in the people that we see. Every person is an image bearer, whether they know it or not. It tells us that even our good works are in him and through him and by him. In fact, Ephesians says that he set those things out for us in advance to do. All goodness comes from him. And so David tells us in the psalm, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He is good. He is trustworthy. 
His goodness will be revealed. We're living in a broken world. There are broken systems, broken families, broken people. And the brokenness will wear us down. It will confuse us. It will shock us. It will even make us go numb. But it is important for us to remember who we are, who we were created by, and what we were created for. David knew that he was to be king, that he would care for the people of the nations, break apart systems that oppressed, and restore the worship of God. But in the moments where things were falling apart, the one thing that he knew was just to seek out the presence of God, to take a hold of his nature, and to be strengthened by him, to not give up, to not lose heart. David's struggle was real. Our struggles are real. But there's a place where we can be stabilized and where we can find clarity to be able to walk in the world as kings and priests before God. We can enter into spaces as carriers of his goodness to bring hope and peace to the world around us. The reality is that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We know that, right? There's a spiritual battle at work against us that will do everything possible to deny the goodness of God to hide the beauty of God, to keep the knowledge of the glory of God from covering the earth. Like, that's the enemy's biggest nightmare, right? The very thing that is promised in Scripture that will happen. 2 Corinthians um, 4, in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul said, The spirit of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were the greatest display of God's goodness. It's the good news, right? It's what we pitch our tents on, that we find life from, that we share with others. It is God's goodness displayed in a way that takes us from Moses, who would have surely died if he saw the face of God, to a new covenant which allows us to be intimately connected with Jesus himself. In fact, there's a place, um, I can't remember the scripture right now, but it says, when we see him face to face, we will be like him. The more we behold who he is, the more we become like him. 2 Corinthians um, 4 continues, and I'm just going to read a couple of parts of this. Uh, But in, in verse 5 it says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? Moses could not see his face and live, but now God is a commanding light to shine out of darkness and allow our hearts to see the knowledge of the glory in the face of Christ. It's an interesting um, juxtaposition. 
Uh, it says, we have this earthen, this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. It goes on, and then in verse 16 it says, Therefore do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do pieces of that sound familiar? Paul is preaching a very similar message as David. Do not lose heart. There's a goodness far greater than the brokenness and the darkness of this world. And that trait of goodness is attached to a name. As believers, it's a name of a person that we know intimately. A person whose spirit we carry within us continually. It's a name for which we would gladly give up everything because we found him to be so worthy. It's a name of one to who we will surrender daily, dying to ourselves so that his name can be made known to others who so desperately need his present. His goodness flows out of us. And one person, just one person, can change the life of another. Who knows but that we may have been called for such a time as this. The world seems to be imploding. Churches are falling apart at the seams. We cannot tell which way is up most of the time. But there's a steadiness that comes when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we set ourselves to gaze upon his beauty, when we live knowing that we carry within us the very death and resurrection power of the one who showed us the greatest goodness, when we are willing to lay down our lives for others, one person. That's all our kids need right now. One person who believes in them, who sees them, who knows them, who hears them. One person. I think that's all any of us really need. We don't have to have the answers. We don't have to figure out all of the solutions. We just need to give ourselves to each present moment to discover how God's goodness may be displayed through our lives. Micah, back to Micah, 
He experienced the goodness of God in a jail cell in the middle of a dark night of the soul. He didn't get out of jail right away, and when he did get out of jail, he was back on the streets. But God had preached God to Micah, and Micah had seen his goodness, and this changed his life forever. He became a carrier of the presence, and immediately his countenance changed. Instead of raging, he became a generous and kind caretaker and protector of other kids around him who had no home. He saved the life of many without ever knowing the extent to which the goodness of the Lord was shown through his simple, struggling life. He was light and he was love because he carried the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus inside of him the greatest story of goodness displayed. So as I close today, I just want to remind us again that we have a hope that cannot be shaken. There is work to be done in the world, and there are many more things that will come into our lives that will cause us to grieve, to lament, to hold great sorrow. But at the very same time, There is beauty all around us, in nature, in people, displaying the glory of God and reminding us of his goodness. We hold this tension of the in-between as we walk through life. The hope of the one day, of the things that are not yet, and the current reality of the darkness and the light that we see mixed together every day. But God is working to bring all things back into alignment with his original intent at creation. He knows that it was good. He said that it was good. And it will be good again. When we allow his nature to take shape in us, we become the stories of goodness. This is actually his justice to make the wrong things right to bring the alignment, but he does this through us, through his people, as we surrender to him, as we take on not a righteousness of our own, but one that is through faith in him, and allow his character to move through us into the world. We fight for the goodness to be displayed, and we are carriers of his presence and his testimony. Our faith moves us into action, even small ones that will change the world for another person. So I'd like us just to pray, um, if we could, and if you want to play quietly behind, you can. Um, So my invitation to prayer today is just, and again, maybe we could just stand up. Where do you need to see his goodness? In what part of your life do you need to smell his fragrance? To know the scent of his nearness. To know that he's right there next to you. Or what place is it that you need to feel the gentle touch of his hand on you to bring healing and wholeness or to impart peace? 
Maybe where do you need to hear the beautiful melodies that he's singing over you, reminding you that you are his beloved? For others, maybe you need to see him move in your life, showing you his true nature and character so that you can become more like him. You need to see his face. Which words of scripture do you need to taste to be grounded in his truth and to take courage to wait upon him? If you could just open your hands and in a posture to receive. And whatever came to mind when I was asking these questions, just hold those things in your hand and let there be an exchange. Father, we, we are so thankful that you love us. We're so thankful that you see us, that you know us. We're so thankful that we can trust that you, God, are never changing, that you are the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. Lord, we thank you that we can hold on to this attribute of your goodness that we can see every aspect of your nature and your character and that it is imparted to us as faith even to believe that your goodness will be displayed in our lives and in the world around us. And Lord, we, we have a lot of questions and we have a lot of need. But we want you to renew our hearts and our spirits and our minds and our faith this morning. That we would be able to be ones who stand in a kingdom that is unshakable. That we would be ones who would stand in the darkness of the world and carry the light of Jesus as a hope and a testimony. We want to be carriers of your presence, Lord, that in the places of pain, people would know comfort. God, we don't understand much, but this one thing we know, that you are a good, good God, and that we can come to you and lay everything down, and that you will fill us, that you will teach us, and that you will guide us. And so we just ask, don't let us go without your presence, Lord. Let us be seekers of you all the days of our life. Amen.